we've walked a long way round this hotel And this carpet isn't good I'm forced to celebrate you, baby I have to praise you like I should Hello everyone, welcome to series 4, episode 4 of the Oodcast. Um, this week I am uh, a bit poorly, um, but I'm still joined by the healthy members of the Oodcast, Andrew Candice. Alright, hello. Uh, the lovely Laura. I'm on antibiotics. And the lovely Chris. Sigma. I can do chin-ups. Three. Three chin-ups. Really? I've never Go seen on, you then. do a chin-up. I- That's because I'm so quick. I'm not only strong, I'm also fast. Will you actually go and do one now, just so I can test it? No, no, yes, I'm, I I'm already too intimidated by just the thought that he can do three of them. Here I go. Oh, my God. Ooh. And again. <laughs> go on, one more. No, I can't. One and a half. So while Chris uh, uh, recovers slightly, um, let's see what's in the Oodcast news this week. Oodcast news. Half man, half fact. It's the god of reporting, the Oodcast News. Many UK hotel owners have complained about the portrayal of ageing British hotels in this week's Doctor Who. In a statement, one complained, If you're going to show standards that high on TV, we'd like some notice so we can do a bit of a tidy up. After the success of the God Complex Hotel, other Greek myth-themed accommodations have sprung up across the galaxy. Popular choices include the Charybdis Hotel, where the plug holes are always really big, and the Zeus Inn, where your wife keeps getting hit on by an assortment of white stags, bulls, bears, frogs, etc. that all look suspiciously a little bit like Zeus. The Nyman have broken their three-decade silence to denounce their Minotaur relatives. Their statement reads, <laughs> Typical. We just had a power complex. Trust them to have a god complex. You've been listening to the Oodcast News. The only thing we fear is, ironically, a repeat of fear. Oodcast News. So, the god complex. Um, I know we've all seen it because we just sat together and watched it. So, what do we think? Anyone? Can, can I just say it was really like series one, wasn't it? 
for us that we all we all get to watch it oh, together before we yeah. actually yeah. Mm. it was nice it was andy bought us a cup of tea yeah it was lovely for for people that don't know the entirety of series one of the Oodcast was recorded in one day where we watched the entire specials dvd box set and uh just recorded an episode in between each and, one and that's why i have very little to say about the end of time it's not because i didn't like it necessarily it's just that i'm completely knackered yeah um, you, you're, we, you're we, basically we, asleep and want to go home <laughs> we, we had had a certain amount of me, uh, medicinal alcohol by that stage as well yes which we have t- again tonight yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. alongside chris alpha's uh Albus oil and tunes we have some very nice white wine um they're they're uh, tissues and chewits but you know Okay. It's his nearest, damn it. Yeah. I've also had an alcoholic ginger beer. Just like the fourth doctor in the android invasion. Really? Mm. Oh. He says, I'd like a pint of ginger beer, please. And then he does that, mmm, <laughs> that he just did. <laughs> Very nice. I like it. It's called Krabby's. Don't drink it, kids, but do drink it, adults. Yes. If you like ginger beer. Have you ever thought of writing jingles, Loz? Uh, don't, don't drink it, kids. <laughs> do drink it, adults. Anyway, uh, the God Complex. Does anyone want to start off? Otherwise, I will say something bland and very I don't know. I, I have a problem with religion in lots of ways. Go on. Right. Well, it's a, bit, uh, it's a bit interesting because, you know, all of this seems to play on people's uh, greatest fears. And I think that in, in lots of cases, religion is about fear. It's about p- playing on people's fears of being found out, of feeling guilty, of being punished and things like that. So it's quite interesting that the whole thing is tied up in belief in a way. Ooh, controversial. Nah, I just thought I'd start it off in a kind of like a, ah, <laughs> wait, rather than a, ah, all right then. There speaks a Catholic, I think. <laughs> yes, that is correct. I am a lapsed Catholic. Sorry, any Catholics out there. A lapsed Catholic. Does that mean you've dropped your get out of jail free card? I don't know. I don't know that I ever had one. Well, of course you did. Deathbed confession. Very... Oh, that is rather handy. Mm. No, I think I can probably still pick that up again, should I wish. Or, for the sake of balance, in a kind of BBC reporting kind of way, you could look at religion as a matter of reconciliation with one's creator and uh, stuff like that. What, like the clever lady in this one? Yes. Just Reconciled like Rita. Wasn't she good? Fate. I, I did actually think that she was going to become the third companion. Probably and one I of my really, favourite characters really of the series so far, I think. Yeah. Well, we are talking about a series that, that deals in time travel, so it's actually not out of the question that Rita could still be a companion. Really? In fact, quite an interest I thought this while I was watching it, quite an interesting conundrum for the Doctor if he then picks up Rita somewhere back along her timeline and knows that whenever their adventures end, whenever he drops us, her off for the last time, that he is sending her to her death. That would be a very interesting companion arc. But not unlike River Song. Well, well, yeah, he but doesn't exactly pick up River Song. Well, not in that sense. I mean, he knows Hello. how the story ends from his first meeting with her. Uh, yeah. But anyway, no. I don't wish to pour cold water on Chris Sigma's idea because it's good. But um, did, I didn't didn't much mind the kind of unsubtle dropping in of the fact that she was what sort of what, Asian but British and a Muslim. Oh, don't be scared. I B- like that. BBA and proud. British-born Asian. Uh-huh. Mm. Mm. Um, I suppose the one thing to say about it is um, most of the god figures that we believe in no longer mess up your ceilings. Although, <laughs> initially, of course, they would have done when you had the old fertility gods, which had antlers and would just run everywhere, well, scratching it, it, up the ceilings it, it of hotels. how tall your candle is. 
And I would imagine that Jesus, when he was carrying the cross, could have done a bit of damage in those corridors. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Crown of thorns as well. That's scratching. Gnaws the carpet right up. That's right. So, yeah, I think gods are pretty bad for hotel upkeep. Hi, honey, I'm home. Welcome back, dear. Had a nice day? Not bad, a bit strange. Let me just change out of my loincloth and I'll tell you all about it. What's for dinner? Another burnt sacrifice your worship has brought us. I thought I could smell something. I just wish they wouldn't burn the sacrifices all the time. They're becoming pretty technologically advanced now. You'd think someone would invent an oven timer. Don't be mean, dear. It's not as if we need to eat it. After all, we feed off faith, not flesh. Pass me that oven glove, would you? It's funny you should mention that. That's what I wanted to tell you about. Problems at the temple again? I said that new priest would be trouble. Far too progressive for my liking. I saw him wearing a Walkman the other day. No good will come of it. You mark my words. It wasn't Father Peterson, actually. It was Alan. You know, the uh, altar boy. Oh, I like him. Yes, Alan. Very faithful. Well, that's just it, you see. He told me today he didn't believe in me anymore. What? He stood there right in front of me, eating a packet of crisps, bold as anything, and informed me I didn't exist. He never did. He did. I was furious. I... Oh, me, darn it! What is it, dear? I've got my horn stuck in the chandelier again. Oh, stay there. Don't struggle. You'll make it worse. I'll come and sort it out. Stop being such a calf. Let me have a look. Now, what were you saying about Alan? The little snot had completely lost his faith. He says I'm an opiate of the masses or something. A bogeyman made up by those in authority to keep him in line. I said, but I'm right here. How do you explain that? What did he say? He just shrugged and started playing with his Tamagotchi. The nerve of some people. I hope you didn't lose your temper. No. Are you sure? You can be pretty vengeful sometimes. I just left him alone. Darling, I may not be omniscient, but I can tell when you're lying to me. What did you do? I might have um, thrown him through a stained glass window. What? I might have thrown him through a stained glass window. A little. And then I said, stop throwing yourself through a stained glass window then, in a taunting manner. It was pretty funny. Darling, that's hardly the actions of a benevolent and loving deity, is it? I don't care. Things are changing, honey. We can both feel it. Our worshippers aren't how they used to be. Technology's their god now. We're becoming myths. And mythes. That's right. Myths and mythes minotaur. The part-time gods. It's enough to give you a complex. There we go. I've untangled you. And don't worry too much about Alan or any of these new so-called atheists. It's just a passing fad. One good plague will have them all towing the line in no time, I promise. I just keep thinking. I should have reasoned with him, talked him round, showed him the error of his ways. But I guess that's all out the window now. You'll return in glory. You always do. I expect you're right. And on the plus side, I do still have my acolytes. Some of the elders have invited me to see a life-size replica of the set of Tron tomorrow. That should be fun. Oh, darling, you love that movie. See, things are turning round already. Thanks, honey. I praise you. I praise you too. You know, perhaps we should just get away from all this for a little while. Find a little hotel somewhere, just the two of us. What a wonderful idea. I love hotels. I'll look into it in the morning. Okay. Now, go and wash your hooves. Sacrifice will be on the table in five minutes. Yes, dear. Just in general, all of them. Mm, mm, Imagine imagine Poseidon, water damage. (laughs) That Mm. would be bad, wouldn't it? He, he would have to live in like Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas or something. Or, or that hairdresser place <laughs> the, in, in the one we saw. Was that hairdresser salon with all the water? Yeah. Mm. Buddha would be okay, though. 
He'd sit well, he'd cross-legged, sit wouldn't yeah. he? And but wait, no, hang on. Buddha's not really a Buddha's god, is he? Buddha's not really a god, no. no. So he's fine. You right. can invite isn't him into he? any hotel. But he is sacred, isn't he, the Buddha? Yes. I yes. mean, isn't the Dalai Lama meant to be a god? Or no, a, he's not. A no, sacred no. being or something? Uh, so anyway, from being sacred to being scared. <laughs> the god complex. <laughs> I'm mostly scared of what our fans are going to do when they tune in and hear us speaking heresy. Heresy? Speaking heretically with blasphemous tongue, or just mainly me doing that, really, to be honest. Okay, here I go then. I'm going to talk about the episode. That seems like a good idea. I thought it was bad to lead with the gorilla, because the gorilla was the least convincing part of the entire episode in terms of what it looked like. Mm. It did look like it escaped from sort of John Barrowman's Cinderella he was, he at was the Palace Theatre. incredibly well behaved though and very civilised for a gorilla, using the toilet before scaring the pants off ladies. And wiping afterwards. Yeah, well. The only thing that would have made him less scary would be if he was carrying a giant inflatable banana, which he then <laughs> bonked her over the head with. Yes, it's yes. true. Uh, so yeah, I wasn't hugely impressed by that and I thought for such a crucial first scare... It needed to be something a little bit stronger than that. Mm. Well, to be honest, it wasn't, was it, the first scare? Wasn't it? She saw the clown. But that wasn't her scare, though. It wasn't her scare, true. She saw the clown. That was quite scary. And then she saw the photographer and the freaky little girl Mm -hmm. looking a bit baleful, which is a classic horror movie device. Yeah. I mean, overall, I think the scariest thing was the hotel, just the empty hotel with the empty lobby and the horrible tinny lift music, is which is all very we've kind seen of the shining. shining. Oh, whoa! whoa okay, it's it's either that or we've seen too many premiere in adverts with Lenny Henry. <laughs> yes, those are frightening as well. Why is he so jolly about staying there? Why? For him, it was his career that died. <laughs> oh, oh, thinking harsh. about the hotel and how scary it was. That was all a studio set and very sturdy and realistic it looked too. Not all of it. Some of it, the lobby and stuff was an actual hotel. Oh, but yeah. all the corridors were ah, set. But um, that's my segue of getting into wasn't the production beautiful in terms of the cinematography and some of the sound and s- some of the editing, in particular that bit in the salon that you just mentioned before. I think certain elements of the sound were great, but the music was really strange, really, really mm. odd. There were all sorts of bizarre bleeps and bloops and sort of uh, there was electronic that. underlying. And I wonder if that was a sort of a reference to the what lies beneath the hotel type thing. But uh, it just seemed strange, like a computer game. There, there was that sequence where you'd gone from kind of quite spooky build up to um, almost like circus chase music mm. where he's looking for the Minotaur. Yeah. Which that that was a, a really odd change of pace, but still quite spooky. I, I think suppose. some of the music cues were taken from the kind of music that was being played mm. in the hotel anyway, and then the actual music in the program took its cue from that. Is ah, that fair to say? I like that. Yeah. Possibly. There is a very beautiful sequence of Murray Gold's music where the policewoman, I can't remember her name, um, but Lucy, is it? I think it might I be Lucy. Lucy yeah. She looks like a Lucy. Hmm. The doctor is reading out her sort of um, scribblings that she's writing down as uh, as the Minotaur had approached her to take her faith away from her, and um, the scribblings become more and more poetic, and with it, the music matches the tone and the mm. rhythm of the speech to an extent where the music kind of melds with the um, line of. Uh, of dialogue 
uh, or monologue, I should say. And it's a beautiful sort of three-piece kind of thing with the doctor speaking, the policewoman speaking, and the music. I was, I was really blown mm. away by that. And I don't think we've really mentioned on the Ucast Murray Gold and his... Um, his input to the series he's well not not recently but we've we banged on about it quite a lot of in previous episodes um yes because you were mentioning that you love that and and it's true it was good but i mean partially something has got to be said for the script because um i thought there were elements of this script that were particularly good i mean we've all spoken about how much we like the character of rita and a lot of her incredibly snappy and funny dialogue about sort of the idioms of being British, you know, how do we express our disapproval and deal with trauma, mm. you know, make a cup of tea and do tutting. And that's, it. to be honest, that is exactly what I do. And there's other things. I thought the character of Gibbis, is it Gibbis? Yeah. Yeah. Who's yeah, yeah. the David Williams character. He initially comes across as just very funny, just a very light-hearted character. And when you look at his interview on Doctor Who Confidential, he identifies something really brilliant about the character, which is that he's a wolf in sheep's clothing in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah. He he seems to be the comedy relief. And then he's actually this really dark, mm. sly, insidious well, presence. The doctor kind of calls him out and sort of says, look, I know what you're up to. Cowardice is sly. And, you know, he seems to realise that actually what he's doing is sacrificing everyone else to try and um, ensure his own survival. And there's a brilliant visual yeah. metaphor for that, um, for him being the real threat. When when you first see the Minotaur, the initial shots of the Minotaur, you always see him stepping across the sort of mm. the T junction of the corridors. He steps out into the corridor and faces them, and you just see him in a kind of blurry silhouette. See who, that happens Minotaur. quite a lot. The Minotaur, but then the same thing repeats with Gibbous after he's let. How oh, you yeah. go? Yeah, when when and they he just find steps Howie out, and, and he, you see yeah. this ominous black figure, and then you realise mm. that it's actually that's Gibbous. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to give a shout out to the comedy in the script. Actually, I th- I think that the script is worth looking at in some detail if you get the time, because not only is it pretty scary, but there's a lot of comedy that comes out that alleviates the scares, but also kind of makes the scares more scary. Well, the author is a stand-up comedian, or used to be oh. a stand-up comedian. In fact, my friend Katie used to write with him. You? Yes. So, um, so he is. His background is in comedy. He definitely wrote sitcoms and, um, and was a stand-up. And I think that's very strong. Mm. And you, you can see that right from, from the script. And it reminds me actually of Stephen Moffat's first episode, which is just a comedy. If you look at those first two in the the Ninth Doctor and uh, the empty child empty and the child doctor dances they are funny every mm. other line is a joke it is a really incredibly funny i think i think comedians if you can do humor then you can do sort of something that's mm. powerful and affecting mm. as well because humor can be terribly biting can't it and and have oh, yes. great truth to it and well, it's, it's, it's the mixture of humor and horror is quite a traditional doctor who mm, trait thing. isn't it it's it's yeah. i always remember watching things like um the horror of Fang Rock, which um, okay, it's it's like a, a round, light up green jellyfish thing in a lighthouse, but it's still quite spooky and it's quite eerie and it can do horrible things to people. And then you've got Tom Baker 
kind of grinning his way mm. to defeating it. Mm. He's got that line. Uh, he he uh, says to the Rutan when it's in human form, I say, why don't you uh, show us your natural self? It must be terribly uncomfy in that. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I quite liked about this was um, how cynical and jaded they've made Rory, because I think that's probably the character that some of us connect with quite a bit. And I quite like the idea that, you know, where where would Rory's escape door have actually led him? Mm. Would he have just been ejected from the side of the spaceship? It's just opened out Do you think space? he'd have gone home to Ledworth? <laughs> no, uh, no, no. Well, it obviously have. had transported technology on the ship because it beamed people up. Mm. So presumably it could beam people back as well. Oh. It could, but then, I mean, if it's offering them a way out because he's got no faith to fall back on, it presumably then he, he would... Present them with no food, so he's useless to them. So they probably don't care what happens to him when they mm. go to him. Ruthless Dark. race, like slag from a Ew. coal heap. Mm. That's Just right. Like that. Slag Rory from a coal heap. Slag. Yes. <laughs> Rory, you slag. <laughs> now, initially, when we watched it, um, I think that I, I did. I did find elements of it genuinely quite frightening. The bit where you know they're in the room with the angels. <laughs> What happened, though, to the idea that the image of an angel is an angel, frankly? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's quite good. Mm. Oh, golly. That is true. We didn't think of that. Mm. And neither did they, it transpires. Oops. Whoops. Well, if um, any listeners have an answer to that one, please let us know. Well, we could just ask him. Shall I tweet them off? When we meet him. Oh, yeah. Shall I tweet Toby? (coughs) Shall I ask him? Well, you don't need to. Toby's coming to the Ucast live. Yes, I'll ask him. Brilliant. (laughs) Um, the other thing is, uh, come on, we haven't discussed probably the most obvious thing for us to discuss. What is behind door number 11? The Doctor. I like, let's hear Laura's ones first. Okay, this is my theory. Behind door number 11, there is a dying TARDIS. And hence you hear the cloister bell. Something has gone horribly wrong. And he opens it and he goes, oh yes, it had to be you. No, he says, who else? Mm. Well, who else is fair enough? I think that he definitely sees the TARDIS as a person. Now, it might not necessarily be that the TARDIS is a human sort of little bouncy, roundy lady played by Saran Jones, but oh, she's definitely lovely. he has a sort of, as we've mentioned before, he's got a kind of marital relationship with it. Stop making faces about sprockets and things like that. It's just not going down. But anyhow, the thing is that he, the one thing he probably fears the most is losing his independence and losing his ability to keep travelling, keep exploring. And there's this idea that almost if he loses momentum, then who he really is ceases to exist. I get that feeling about at least this portrayal of the character. I like that theory a great deal. But the personification, the TARDIS as a person, I think, he sees the TARDIS as a person. So, But that happened yes. as a coincidence, though, didn't it? Yeah, but I think the Doctor believes that the TARDIS is a person, especially after that mm. story. My one concern, the, the cloister bell, doesn't that only ring when the universe is ending, when there's something endangering no, the, the existence it, of the uh, universe? in Legopolis, because you see, I'm old enough to remember these things. Um, I saw that. Okay. Yeah, we've all seen it. <laughs> the Doctor <laughs> says, in case of emergencies, the cloister bell rings. <laughs> Ooh. So, I mean, I think the cloister bell rings when there's a news headline to be set. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, maybe that just signals the end of the universe itself, the news headlines. If they're bad enough. Okay, so we've got Laura's theory. Anyone with... Andy, you had a theory? Oh, well, I thought it was the Doctor because he fears himself. 
in Amy's choice, he reveals that he hates himself more than anyone else in the universe. So um, he probably fears himself. But isn't that that has become a joke, hasn't it? Even actually said within the series that whenever there is any mysterious figure, it always turns out to be the Doctor. Mm. Merlin, it's the Doctor. Any wizard, it's the Mm. Doctor or sorcerer or madman or prophet. It's always the Doctor. That's kind of the series' card that pulls out every time there's any mysterious person. That's why I thought that there would be the Doctor inside the astronaut suit, Mm. even though everything pointed it to, to being River. So if it is the Doctor... And then, so then you have to ask, what is his faith? What does the thing he cling to? Maybe he and t- that would be himself as well. Probably maybe mm. when he opened the door, he saw himself going to light the Olympic flame. <laughs> so fear her was behind <laughs> that. <door. laughs> Interesting relationship between Amy and the Doctor explored here. The fact that she mm. basically worships him, and he has to disabuse her of that faith before he can save the day. Um, I think, again, they've got a lovely relationship in this. I like the way that they use both the older and younger actress mm. when he's talking mm. to the character and of Amy. Them. Yeah, and yes. I, li- I like the way by the end of that speech where he's saying that basically you need to realise that I am just a madman in the box, mm. nothing special. And when they actually pull away from him kissing Amy's forehead, it's just him and seven-year-old Amy. And Amy and Rory have disappeared. Um, I thought that was a really nice touch. It, yeah. And note that in the 11th hour, he does say to her, remember, I am a madman with a box. One day that may save your life. And it does in this story. There's also a lovely little character moment where Amy forgets to give him the rolled up bit of paper from Lucy. And he takes it and just bops her on the head with it. (laughs) And it's just a little thing, but it just shows this real But then there's a weird moment where he says, it's her thereafter. And he points at Amy. He doesn't say it's Amy. He says it's her. Almost in a sort of like... I'm an alien and this human is the one thereafter. It's a, a nice little sort of doctory touch there. Mm. I'm a time lord and I work at walk in eternity. Wait, it's that. <laughs> you walk in eternity? Eternity. Oh, eternity. 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 It's a quote from Pyramids of Mars, with Tom Baker saying it. And I walk. I work a... in a turnip field. <laughs> yeah. I'm a time lord and I work in a turnip field. <laughs> I'm a time lord. I work at a turnip field. So anyway, right, have we run out of No, it? I think you need to say that now. What? I'm a time lord and I work in a turnip field. I can't do a voice. Well done. That was very Thanks. good. Um, uh, shall we sum up then? Um, uh, our feelings in three words? Okay, okay I'll go first. I'll go first. Yeah. All right. Stimulating, thrilling, amusing. There we go. Labyrinthian plot challenges. Sounds like a crossword <laughs> clue, doesn't it? Bears repeated watching. Mm. What there kind of bears? bears? <laughs> or should I say that's, gorillas repeated watching? No, that's what's in his room. Just bears repeated <laughs> watching. Um, mine is um, not staying there. My sweet viper. Basil, what's taking you so long? I do apologise, my dear. I was just showing our latest guests to their rooms. Nothing important or anything, don't you worry, dear. I'll just drop everything and come and pick up your hairbrush or whatever. What was that? Oh, nothing, nothing. I was just showing the new guests to their room, that's all. 
Well, couldn't Manuel do it? I've been waiting here half an hour. I can't find my room. Well, I could have asked him, but he's just not all that bright. Who else has arrived? I don't think we have any more bookings for the rest of the week. No, we didn't. A few surprise arrivals. Praise him. Anyone we know? I don't think so, no. There's some doctor with a couple of friends. A doctor, eh? There's something strange going on there, though. Don't be sniffy, Basil. Praise him. It's always nice to have a doctor in the house. Did you find their rooms? I found the doctor's room, but he didn't seem to want to go in. The alarm clock seemed to be going off in there and he didn't want to stay. The young man doesn't appear to have a room and he just keeps seeing exit signs. Did you offer him a discount? That and a free drink in the bar tonight might help him settle in. I didn't have time because we then found the young lady's room. But there was someone else in there already. Well, send Polly to get them out then. I've sent Manuel. He was nearest... There's some businessman who's insisting he buys all his ventriloquist dummies dinner too. The Major's getting sloshed in the bar because he can't get in for his own dinner. Haven't they been served yet? That's what Polly's trying to do, but they just all laugh at her at the same time. Hold on, isn't this your room? Oh, yes. How didn't I see that? Praise him. There's someone coming. Don't mention the time war. Ah, Mr. Nymon! You're enjoying your stay, I hope? Basil, we need to get rid of those rats. You know how scared I am of them. Praise him. Very well, my sweet. Manuel! Si, senor. Clear out Mrs. Fawlty's room, would you? Okay. Clear out Mrs. Fawlty's room, would you? Rats, Manuel. It's full of rats. Oh... No, no, he's hamsters. Praise him. Okay, the haiku for the God Complex. All rooms double booked, and revealed face consumed guests. Don't talk to the clown. Hey, I love that moment. That was funny. It made me laugh. Don't talk to the clown. Also, the bit where the bloke's taped up in the wheelchair just after they said, is there anything we can do to shut him up? <laughs> Made me giggle. As we close the door on this episode, I'd like to mention a particularly funny door opening uh, where Rory is flung across the room like an old dressing gown hung on a hanger on the back of the door as the Minotaur bashes through. I found that quite funny. It's like he's, he's hung on the back of the door. On the, yeah. on the coat hanger at the end, back of the door. Like Michael Hutchins. Okay, well, I think that is the end of this episode. Thanks again for listening to us and sharing your day with us. Uh, we will be back again at some point in the near future to talk about the next episode, which is closing, closing time. time. Yeah. Of course, sharing would imply a two-way process. So if you do have any comments or want to give any feedback to us or interact with us in any way, then join our Facebook group, which is at www.facebook.com slash the Oodcast, all lowercase, all one word. Or alternatively, you can follow us on Twitter, where I am the Oodlos. I am Alpha Ood. I'm Ood Andy. And I'm the Oodcast somewhat. Ooh, that's a god complex. <laughs> No, I was just the only one that used Twitter. Oh, and then yeah. all of you... <laughs> I've done like, I've done about 12 now. I've done loads. And there's more. There's the blog, which is www.theoodcast.com. And on that, you'll find all sorts of amazing stuff. Not only our podcast, but you'll find random musings in a written form. And, of course, the amazing haikus from Chris Alpha, which take you through... 
presently the entire classic series. It's amazing. And, uh, and series one of the new series. Mm, do have a look at that. And on the 23rd of November, which as we all know, will be the 48th anniversary of Doctor Who itself, <gasps> we will be doing Viewcast Live. We will, and it's getting more and more exciting all the time. Special guests are... Joining the cast, it's very exciting. There are going to be some quite famous people, both from the from the lands of theatrical improvisation, which may be a strange land to some of our listeners, but is very exciting. But also proper people from Doctor Who, writers, people. not and just improvisers, proper cast people <laughs> from Doctor Who are going to come and be there. Um, if there's any tickets left, uh, they will be at tinyurl.com/slash/oodcastlive. Um, at the moment, we are looking like we're almost sold out, but there may be some more tickets released later on. So keep an eye on that. <gasps> Gosh, get them while you can, folks. OK, in that case, let's all wave ourselves off audially. Yeah, let's just wave. OK, everyone. One, two, three. Another loud blue spells impending doom Trying to open that spooky room of death By cow adoration I realised quickly when the others fell That this was not a great hotel to book Or to order sacred And so I cry sometimes when I'm